I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ramdas's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ramdas, Krishnadas, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more. The Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash inner academy. You know, one thing at a time. Can can we cut down on our, our air travel? Can we do that? Are there new generations of engineers that are coming up with, you know, new sources of, of clean energy. That's actually happening pretty, pretty quickly, you know, right, right now. Yeah. And, you know, there are, yes, there, there are very large forces. And at the same time, there, there are individuals that are, um, you know, making decisions and, living their lives and if each one of us did that each eight billion of us we can begin to you know tip things hi everyone it's ragu back with mind rolling and I'm back with Susan Bauer. Woo. Great to have you. Welcome to the podcast, Susan. Great to be here. Thank you. So I do want to hear about how all of this evolved for you in terms of the work that you've done for Mind Life Institute, which Susan has worked with for many years. Uh, but I kind of want to start out because... This image, I mean, I am one of an archetypical person who is, of course, completely interested and, and understands to whatever extent I can the interconnectivity of everything mm -hmm. from the earliest days with psychedelics to, you know, the decades I've spent doing practice. And I still am not finding a way to relate with it uh, properly especially after reading some of uh, the different material in the book. But yesterday, there was a problem for me, because I love animals so much, one of the most horrific images was the whales, I think in Australia, that came together in a heart. I'm sure you saw that. And beached, and half of them are dead, and they're trying to keep the, the other half alive. Here's my reaction. I could not even go to the article. I did not even want, I couldn't see this extraordinary event where they came together in that shape. 
I mean, really, really quite something. And so, uh, yeah, just starting with the reality of who we are and even people like myself who want to contribute, who do want to do something, who want to um, make changes in their own lives uh, regarding this, who still are shying away from facing it by not, you know, not absorbing what really happened in that moment. Uh, just, just your own perspective of, I'm sure you've met, you know, I'm one of uh, a gazillion people. Yeah, I, I'm too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I share, I mean, I've, um, every single day that we wake up, that I wake up, we're, we're faced with, you know, another, another headline that's just breaking our hearts. And it can feel like it's too much to bear. I don't know if you know, there's a, there's a new word out there. Maybe it's not a new word, but it became new for me called solastalgia. Say that again. Solastalgia. No, solastalgia. What is yeah, that? Yeah, let me, let me, um, sounds horrible. I'm probably going to be. It's, um, S O L A S T A L G I A. Hmm. And it's ba- now it's basically it's a new word for like climate heartbreak. Oh, really? And climate grief. Yeah, it's a new word wow. because that's what we're we're experiencing as a collective, many of us. And I think that we can't deny the heartbreak that we're experiencing, that we're witnessing, that we know is happening, even if we're not experiencing it directly. We know it's happening, as you described it. You know, across across the world and. Um, so if we lean into it and be, we're with it, um, as one of my, you know, wisdom teachers, Lama, um, Willa Blythe Baker describes as, you know, metabolizing it, you know, there's this process of metabolizing and being with and creating space around what is true, Mm. the truth of suffering, you know, that's the, yeah. You know, that, that's the, the Dharma. We know it. And at the same time, the other truth is that with the sorrow, there's also beauty, there's connection, there's love. And we ride the waves of both. Mm. That's how I'm doing it. <laughs> you know, one, one breath at a time, one moment yeah. at a time. It's a little bit like the, our Buddhist friends uh, and teachers do suggest to us uh, not to run from dark thoughts, emotions, uh, mm-hmm. rather invite them in. And uh, Ramdas used to say, uh, when he first came back from India, here's the way to deal with these kind of demons is invite them in for a cup of tea mm-hmm. and, you know, connect and allow rather than push away or run away. And I suppose in that same breath, it's, it's about what, what, this word again, soulistalgia? Yeah, that's how yeah. nostalgia. Yeah. yeah. So we'll have to get with that as well. Yeah. I've yeah. had a, uh, I have a friend who we were, we were in an eco dharma group together, just, you know, as our way of navigating it. You know, community is really important. Mm. So it's not do, realizing that we're not alone and that we have the support and care of one another um, to, to help us get through it. It's, it's essential. Conversations are important, and really 
being, you know, in a heart space with one another. So this one friend who actually told me about this word, you know, just actually sends an email and says, you know, I'm having a moment of solastalgia, just reaching out. And it was, mm-hmm. I, you know, it was in the um, earlier this month when the wildfires in Canada were blazing. They still are, they're still burning. And the smoke is coming down and it's just like, you know, just so much. I can't bear it anymore. So she just reached out. And so we shared a moment of solastalgia together. We should create a solastalgia, uh, you know, telephone you can call like a suicide line, you know. Yeah. Something like that. Well, well, tell us a little bit about your background, how you came into all of this, which is, um, you know, directly includes uh, Buddhist practice and how you got to mind in life. But as a young person, how what was the things that uh, allowed for recognizing that there is a path beyond our uh, selfish motivations, shall we say? Yeah. You know, I I was a a kid who who loved nature. I loved old people. Um, <laughs> so rather than you know going and playing with dolls and toys or ball, uh, lots of times I would visit old people. No Barbie, huh? No, <laughs> I wasn't into Barbie. Yes, <laughs> you're not going to the Barbie movie. <laughs> I have I have no desire to go, but you and um, me both. <laughs> Um, but I know some some people that I like who have gone and have liked it. So I'm, yeah, right. There's some, there must be something there. Yeah, yeah, but I'm I'm not trying to go there. But anyway, so I know I I wasn't playing Barbies, but I would would hang out with animals. You said you you love animals, mm. real animal lover. I you know would rescue animals and hurt animals and mm. um, and old people was you know something that was really um, natural for me. Mm. Always spiritual. Always asking the big questions and looking up at the sky and um, yeah really even yeah. as a kid or a teenager oh yeah. yeah 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 and um who turned and, you on first in the spiritual realm it's not like i had one mentor i no. i i was not the alan one. watts ram you know that thing. oh i thought you were talking about like in my family as a child oh, no 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 uh, growing up you know, something well, came in from the uh, either books or whatever. Yeah, you know, I was a. Um, I would still say that I'm kind of a spiritual mutt, if you will. I'm absolutely drawn to Buddhist philosophy. Mm. Um, Buddhism, you know, is my grounding, my day to day grounding. But I don't necessarily consider myself Buddhist because there's mer- many spiritual orientations that resonate with me. Mm. So my. Um, my earliest entrance into Buddhism actually came from um, going to a Korean Zen Buddhist temple, mm. and I was I was in my my twenties at the time, and coming out of a um, my mother had had died, and I was coming out of a um, a young um, unhealthy marriage, mm. and um, and was alone and broke and turned to meditation and that was that was my entree oh yeah yeah and it and it felt like um you know kind of putting on a pair of comfortable shoes it just felt really really comfortable right from the very beginning Mm. that's great 
and then into, uh, I mean, at some point, mind life organization. Uh, well, well, for, well, I, I actually started out as a nurse, so I don't know if you uh, uh, no. saw that in the book. I talk a little bit about it. I actually was an oncology and hospital. Yeah, nurse. that's right. I do remember. That was my first job, um, and that was in the early '80s. And from that work and doing that work, I was really. Uh, struck by the power of the mind and the mind body spirit connection and really noticing that how people were living their lives really mattered. It mattered not only to how they were navigating it and coping, but also seemed to have an impact on their, their health and their disease. So mm-hmm. I was, um, really got the bug to go back to graduate school and I got my, my graduate degree. Um, in a new interdisciplinary area of science that was in the um, early 90s. It was called psychoneuroimmunology. And um, and then from there, after that, um, and after I finished my postdoc in behavioral medicine, my f- first full-time faculty position was at the University of Massachusetts Medical School, mm, where wow. the Center of Mindfulness um, is. And John Kabat-Zinn was there at the time. Mm. And that's where I kind of merge my own personal meditation practice with um, my professional work. And I started researching meditation and researching meditation for people with serious illness. That was my initial entree into mind and life as a meditation researcher. Hmm. And then fast forward years later in 2015, I uh, began the role of president of mind and life and leading this, um, this organization. Mm. Are you, and that's still going on for you, Susan? I am. Yeah. Oh. Currently in that role. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. No, I know of it quite well because of Sunanda Marcus, my sister-in-law and Mirabai Bush, of course, who's also both of who are involved with Love Server Member Foundation. Mm. So, oh, that's so great. Wonderful. Small world. Yeah. yeah. It always is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, well, let's pick. There's some wonderful, incredible quotes that you assembled in this book to, you know, feature around this subject. But something that struck me, um, and it was, it's, it's interesting because it's a, a book called Limits to Growth, and it was first published in 72, right? Um, Dana is her name. I can't see her last she name. She goes by Donella Meadows, but since Donna. I had a personal connection with her, uh-huh. I um, called her Dana. It's well, Donella how about Dana Meadows? Yeah. yeah. How about this? You know, the depths of human ignorance are much more profound than most of us are willing to admit. This is especially so at a time when the global economy is coming together as a more integrated whole than it ever has been. And um, when that economy is pressing against the limits of wondrous of a wondrously complex planet, and then wholly new ways of thinking are called for, at this time no one knows enough. How about 1972? Here we are in 2013, right? I mean, 2023. Yeah, 2023, 2013. <laughs> uh, no. And and we are, um, I mean, we are mired. In that thought, I mean, in that statement, all the way through as a through line, much more uh, 
integral in terms of the the interconnectivity of everything as as our world is on fire across the hemisphere yeah it's just yeah. extraordinary and um what else does she say? The world's leaders do not know any better than anywhere, anyone else how to bring about a sustainable society. Most of them don't even know it's necessary to do so. That is extraordinary on its face. But look what these people are doing with wars and, and continually you know, uh, using, uh, digging out of the ground the substances to continue this archaic way of living that we are all part of mm-hmm. you know um, yeah. a sustainability revolution requires each person to act as a learning leader at some level from family to community to nation to world and it requires each of us to support leaders by allowing them to admit uncertainty conduct honest experiments and acknowledge mistakes that seems far-fetched right now so and it was right. far-fetched and in the early seventies. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm writing this. Yeah. But I do. And I, I think that the, that's the title of that book is, um, is perfect to the issues of limits to growth, Mm. you know, limits to growth. And we have this industrial growth society that, um, is really driven by, um, today it's really driven by a lot of media and marketing and this, this illusion uh, or delusion, delusion that we think that um, we're separate from the natural world and also that more and more and more and more is ultimately going to make us happy. Yeah. And, the, and does it, it? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's all instant gratification. You know, these corporate entities need to keep producing X results in order to keep their shareholders happy. And that's what's driving everything. I mean, it is extraordinary. His Holiness said uh, to Greta, the human brain is something very special, remarkable. Yet to judge from our world, we human beings are also the greatest troublemakers, right? Mm -hmm. So um, you say, I think, let's talk about using our very special brains to get us out of trouble, to transition to clean sources of energy, to minimize waste in air travel, to ride bikes and expand public transportation, to protect and expand forests, to preserve marshes, grasslands, and all natural habitats, to use agricultural practices that store carbon instead of releasing it to let trees and plants do their job of reaching up and taking carbon out of the air. That prescription, just look at it. And uh, I mean, uh, I hate to have sort of a negative uh, view or defeatist view, which His Holiness talks a lot about, you and Greta, in this Mm -hmm. book. This is absolutely counterproductive to get into that. But when you really look at it, uh, using our, you know, the transitioning to clean sources of energy, minimizing waste and air travel, when you read through that, catalog of what we need to do how in the world given what we're seeing it it is a little bit uh dark no well i think when i hear that list it seems really doable to me yeah yeah i mean it's like you know just take you know one thing at a time can can we cut down on our our air travel can we do that are there 
new generations of engineers that are coming up with, you know, new sources of, of clean energy. That's actually happening pretty, pretty quickly, you know, right, right now. Yeah. And, you know, there are, yes, there, there are very large forces. And at the same time, there, there are individuals that are, um, you know, making decisions and, living their lives and if each one of us did that each eight billion of us we can begin to you know tip things although we know i the book i taught in in a future we can love i talk about a climate feedback loop begin with that the knowledge of climate feedback loops which is a you know really really interesting phenomenon that i wasn't aware of until actually the conversation that mind and life hosted with the dalai lama and greta and climate scientists but essentially, it's the warming of the earth is warming itself. So as, for example, the, um, you know, trees are dying because of fires or disease or insects, right? You have these old, and also human, humans are, are um, cutting them down as well. But you have big old growth forests that are dying. And what happens? All the carbon that they've been storing for years is released. You have the permafrost, thousands of years of plants and bones that have been in the, you know, been frozen up in the tundra are thawing. What happens when they thaw? All that's released. So the warming is, is, is warming itself. And we know that we can begin to slow down, um, Slow down the feedback loops by stopping fossil fuel, fossil fuel use and our dependence on that and going toward, um, greener, um, energy and, and renewable energy. But, um, we also know that regreening makes a big difference as well. And so minimizing clear cutting and looking at what we can do to plant more trees actually can, 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 can help as well. Mm. In the book, I remember um, a story of His Holiness coming with a bunch of seeds, right? Yeah, he did that. He did that actually at the um, Kali Chakra. I think it was in 1990. Um, and he did that as part of, let me see. Yeah, it was in 1990. And um, it's at the Kali Chakra in, uh, in India, in Sarna. And oh, he yeah. had gotten money from his Nobel Prize. Um, receiving the Nobel Prize, and he gave out tree seeds, mm. and he gave out a variety of of tree seeds, and and was very very conscious and intentional of giving information and trying to have them be seeds that were appropriate for that part of the world, and um, kind of cool. I did try to find. I did did put out a call to try to find out one person who might have planted a tree. <laughs> Without that Kali tracker, because it would be, you know, 30 years later, there's like a tree. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Oh, well. Talking about trees. So there's one thing, you know, I was reading and, and you talked about uh, getting with a friend and making a point of going for a walk with the intention of finding a special tree. Mm -hmm. And I really connected with that because I do that all the time, actually. Mm. Yeah, this morning it just uh, happened to me again on a walk that I've been on a million times. 
then suddenly just the impression of this extraordinary tree here. I mean, California and and Ojai. And and then you say it's grown into a a kind of walking meditation. And it reminds me of, and and, uh, I love this, unscientifically speaking, trees are miracles. What they do with photosynthesis, et cetera, et cetera. But they're also living examples, trees in a forest. This is something, a famous uh, story of Ramdas's, where he talks about, you know, you walk around all day judging everything, everyone you meet, whatever uh, phenomena that comes to you, you're judging it left and right. This is what, you know, we do as, uh, shall we say, unsophisticated humans. And then, but you go into a forest and you see there's trees bent, there's trees that are large around their middle, there's trees that are providing shade that's incredible, there's, there's just an enormous variety. Do you judge any of it? No. You know, I always love that story because I can yeah. really relate with yeah. that reality. Yeah. Yeah. Tre- trees, I, I have deep affinity for trees. Um, you know, we are into breathing with the trees. We, we cannot survive as a species without trees and plants and vegetation. We can't, I mean, it's pretty and animals simple. And insects, all of it. Yeah. And all of it, exactly. Um, and then, you know, trees also, you have these big old trees that have these root systems that hold the water in. And that's where, you know, streams and natural streams, you know, come from. They're coming from the, the water of the roots of the trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you see that uh, uh, fantastic fungi movie, Louis Schwartzberg? Yeah. I yeah. mean. Oh, yeah, the, all the mycelium under, yeah. the, under the ground. Yeah. yeah, the extraordinary interconnection of, of these living beings. So, which brings me, um, and you also, uh, in the book, you refer to uh, Jinpa quite a bit. Tukten mm-hmm. Jinpa, you know, who is the Dalai yeah. Lama's uh, longtime English translator. I, I've met him and done podcasts with him. He's just an extraordinarily wonderful being who's also living in Montreal right now, where I'm from. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, talk about, would you... Tell everybody and explain a little bit Indra's net. Yeah, um, my understanding and Jimpa, we were we were in conversation and you know talking about it, but it's basically how every single one of us, all the beings. So just imagine that we are um, these these gems, these jewels. And in it, we are reflecting all the other gems that we're connected to, that in the universe, that every single one of us is part of this, what's called the Indra's, Indra's net. Mm. And, you know, as I, when I imagine it, I just imagine, um, these, these beautiful, you know, sparkling, um, web of of all of us that we're not we 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 are all um we are who we are 
because of each other. And we can't, we, we don't exist in isolation. We are in this interdependent world. Mm. Yeah. And Jinpa says there is no center. We're all in it together, depending on one another. Depending on one another. another. We being everyone in the, everything in the universe and it being an infinite web of cause and effect. And he says, of course, there's no way for the human mind to be able to grasp all the points of interconnection. For that, we'd have to be omniscient. <laughs> um, you know, so, uh, I mean, my story is going back to, with Ram Dass to India the second time when he went back to meet Neem Karoli Baba. I think you mm-hmm. know who that is from Be Here mm-hmm. Now, our guru. Mm-hmm. And being in the in the deep feeling of that reality with somebody who was living that reality was so extraordinary. I didn't, I had not imagined anything like that. You know, was was possible. But and and as Ramdas said when he first came back, actually, he said, "I wouldn't have gotten that understanding without this the." Uh, the use of psychedelics that I had been, or the experimentations I had been doing with Leary and Metzner and everybody else that led me to that understanding, deep understanding, not uh, intellectual, of the interconnection of all things. And um, yeah, interdependence is, is a word that you use here. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, I, I think that that's actually the um, the root of the problems as it relates to the mm. climate crisis and the root of the solutions. And one thing I do, I do talk about in the book, you know, is we talk about the um, climate feedback loops, but I also talk about human feedback loops. Mm. And with human feedback loops, I, basically, it's the three Buddhist poisons. Um, and um, so first one delusion and what's the delusion the delusion is that we don't realize that we're interdependent and interconnected with one another and you know it's you know it's pretty pretty simple as you know as a practice person is once we begin to unpack it and just look at our our lives moment to moment every single thing about it is interdependent so what we breathe what we eat what we drink what we wear, you know, everything. I, um, I, I share in the book, I had this moment. I, I started, you know, in my, um, my heartbreak, if you will, and just trying to mm. do what I could do. I'm just sort of one foot in front of the other. Literally, mm. I started a Sunday ritual of um, going out and picking up trash in an area that you would think there isn't a lot of trash. But actually, if you look deeper in the vegetation on the side of the road, was actually trash. So I would take a bag and I'd walk along the road. Mm. I had this this realization about picking up a single-use plastic bottle. There's just basically the trash on the side of the road is mostly single-use plastic. Water and other forms of beverages, oftentimes with you know alcohol. But that plastic bottle that single-use plastic, where it came from and how it was made and all of the causes and conditions that got it to you 
you know, from the store to the, um, to the trucks that transported it, um, to the company that's, that's making it. It's like, there's many, 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 many points of just that coming to you. And then that plastic bottle thrown on the side of the road. And I've heard that it takes like more than a thousand years for that, for plastic to degrade. And so you have these, you know, these, these microplastics, these phthalates that are then going into the soil, into the insects, the worms, into our water. Um, and it's, you know, we as people need to rise up and to do everything we can to stop plastics and to minimize at least single use plastics need to stop. And, and, you know, it's just raising, raising awareness for that. So interdependence, there's so much we could talk about because everything, you know, there's so much, um, as it relates to interdependence, but the first human feedback loop that I see is delusion that we don't recognize our interdependence and our interconnectedness. Mm. Second human feedback loop. I'll pause there. And so I want to hear your thoughts on interdependence as somebody who's thought about interdependence. Yeah. Well, there's so many different ways. Unfortunately, when you start talking about the plastic and single use plastic, with like those, um, Whales that formed the heart, you know, that I mm-hmm. ran <laughs> ran over that picture, mm-hmm. couldn't handle it. And then this morning, I saw another thing. New York Times is a horror, by the way. I mean, Jesus, what <laughs> the world is really a horror, but the way they reflect it is like, oh my God. This was all of that, uh, our garbage landing, I think it's Guatemala. On, on the shores of that country. I may be wrong because I don't even know if that's a reality, but somewhere in South America, just extraordinary amounts of plastic that is coming in on the ocean and is just being deposited on the beach there. You know, nobody cares because, well, we're not connected there. We're not dependent on them. If it happened, you know, where I am, you know, uh, on the beach here in California, it it would get people's attention big time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we already have, uh, again, back to animals, red tide, okay? The small fish are getting sick because of eating plankton that's the too, you know, the ocean's too warm and et cetera, et cetera. And then sea lions and uh, seals are eating it. They're actually, uh, as I take my dog for a walk on the beach over the last month, two months, they're dying, but they're not dead. Some of them are actually dying right in front of you. Mm -hmm. They won't go back in the water. They're just, I mean, it is, uh, Mm. when you see something like that and realize uh, of the absolute interconnection of, of everything, you know, what's going on, uh, in in this ocean, it's extraordinary. Um, interdependence. I mean, it's hard to imagine where people don't have a sense of 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 that interdependence when our daily lives, as you mentioned before, in every way are connected with each other, with phenomena, with nature, with animals, with insects. 
And, um, you know, it just, it comes back to, um, I think you've quoted, actually, you know, Roshi Halifax. I just, I'm just yeah, remembering. I know well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Me too. She's just wonderful. Um, we did a whole thing around hope. One, mm-hmm. one retreat that we did with Ramdas in Maui or something. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I have to really uh, re kind of set, you know, that thought wise hope she named it mm-hmm. you know not just this well we hope things are going to be better you know the right. way that we use hope but wise hope and and that's um the realization of inter interdependence is based on a wisdom that we mm-hmm. need to cultivate and right. we need to share which is a lot of hopefully the work that we do Around what Ramdas and continuing what he's done from Neem Karoli Baba and from all of the people that were involved with, him, including you know those like Jack Cornfield and Sharon mm-hmm. and Joseph, you know all of these wonderful teachers. Yeah. So yeah. And that's the hope, though. I mean, because of interdependence, we could say, well, that's you know our you know what the problem is, and it is what you know that that's why things are so dire, and at the same time. That's where where the hope is, is because we are one atmosphere. And if we all start to, and we share oceans, then, you know, we we all can influence what is happening in another part, another part of the world. We're going to give some real consideration. That garbage is coming from us that's landing on the shores of this country, wherever, South America, in the Far East, all over the place. And, and Ragu, before it goes there, it's in the water and the whales and the other sea creatures are actually being exposed to it and swallowing it. Yeah. 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 So, so plastic is, is something that, um, I talk a lot about, think a lot about and try to just raise awareness, you know. And I hear people, you know, I was, I was with some, you know, some old, old friends recently. And, um, there's this, um, you know, we, we, we live on autopilot. We, we being the general we. And, um, and when we have busy, stressful lives with a lot of different demands, uh, particularly because of industrial growth society and we need to make a certain amount of money for our families in order to keep up certain lifestyles. Um, what do we do? We, we look for easy ways of getting through the day and easy ways of, so you go and get something that's prepared in plastic, um, because it's easier because that's the energy that you have because of what you've done. So there's this deep, 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 um, recognition, seeing clearly and healing. That needs to happen, and it is. It is happening. It's be, you know, it, it is happening. Mm. No, it's got to happen with next gen too. They've then they are definitely uh, consider you know a lot of consideration mm. by them. But yeah. you know, about this. Well, I'm pretty amazed at a lot of the young people that I'm meeting. There are, I mean, they 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 get it, you know, in general by the by the masses, they get it a lot more than those of us that are a lot older. Yeah, absolutely. You uh, also wait. Have we finished? There was a couple. No, of No, the, the two other feedback. Yes, yeah, 
feedback. Okay, so they're basically the, the, the Buddha's poison. So yeah. um, next one is um, uh, craving, which we've kind of talked about, right? And desire. And so that's just wanting and wanting and more and more and feeling like we're not enough, right? So there's mm-hmm. this constant striving and craving. That's absolutely very fundamental to the climate crisis right now. And us um, stopping that craving can can make a big difference, um, particularly. In- and just it's funny because take that all the way, and it will make a huge ass difference. You know, Joseph Goldstein. There's a little story. Yeah. He, uh, a young man who was driving Joseph around in Maui when we were doing a retreat, said to Joseph, you have all this experience. Give me one piece of advice out of all of what you can give me because I know you have so much. And Joseph said, stop grasping, period. And that that (laughs) consideration just covers a lot of territory. Everything that we're talking about, uh, interconnectivity and interdependence and you know, you've, uh, that's why, you know, Ramdas is great in the way that you fix yourself as you are trying to do the social action that's needed in this world. You got to fix your own heart or else you're not going to be very productive in terms of what you're doing. And starting there is about grasping. You know? And yeah. 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 And then the third relates to that. The other, the flip side is, um, is aversion mm. and related to that, which I you know say is um, disliking and disliking what two things that we dislike as it relates to climate. Um, one is um, changing. We don't want to change our, our habits, exactly. our little comforts. There's a dislike to that. And so we think we have to to give up a lot in order to and and live without. And actually, I I challenge us to think about well, if we're if we're giving up, what do we have to gain? What do we have to gain? There's a lot of possibility instead mm-hmm. of traveling across the world to go on exotic vacation. If you just go for a walk, you know and but the trees really connect deeply with, with community, with, with family. Um, but so there's this disliking of wanting to change. And then the other part of disliking, and then you touched upon this in the beginning, Raghu, is, is um, um, disliking the truth of what's happening. And so what do we do? We numb ourselves. Mm-hmm. We get numb. We put our head in the sand. We, we just, we make like, you know, it's it's not happening. And, yeah, um, it's it's a Frank Zappa uh, song from the '60s. It can't happen here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, those are the the you know the the three human feedback yeah. loops that I think are contributing to um, not only the climate crisis but also uh, some of the chaos around how we're all dealing with it. Mm, yeah. You quote uh, uh, Vandana Shiva, an amazing, amazing human. Did you meet her? Have you? Met I have her? met her. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to see her also this fall. Oh, really? I've met I've met her virtually. 
Uh-huh. And I'm right. going to meet like her. In per- I'm going to I'm going to meet her in person this fall, mm. hopefully. Um, in one of my rare trips, I don't take many anymore. But oh yeah, <laughs> good for you. Yeah. Um, anyhow, I love this part of the book. You know, where she talks about all of the fathers of modern science, Descartes, yeah. Bacon, and so on. And um, I love what she said. Uh, this this way of thinking. It didn't just separate us from the earth. It separated mind from body and created a very artificial idea of what the mind is. Very Cartesian, very mechanical, very militaristic, and also very privileged. But that's what a perfect description of of people that we have in front of us all around the world that are taking on the most important roles of leading governments and countries. It's uh, unbelievable. Uh, it denied intelligence to a living earth and to every one of her non-human organisms, every plant, every microbe, every seed. Mm-hmm. Boy, oh boy. Uh, and I think you say, without blaming Descartes for the witch hunts, I take the point I take the point that this way of seeing the world in one another has had profound effects on how we relate. And that, you know, that's... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the interdependence thing comes up really strongly there, doesn't it? Yeah. And Vandana actually continues um, talking about the sacredness. Like we've lost, and a lot of the indigenous wisdom, which which I've also talked about in the book, um, talks about the sacredness of the natural world. And we've Mm -hmm. lost that. And we need to reconnect with it. And part of why we lost it, though, is this um, this mindset that was created a few hundred years ago and really you know, took off with the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, which is why we need to uh, practically um, beg our indigenous wisdom keepers to come back and share with us, which many, many, many are doing. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that that is, to me, one of the most important ways I think that we can get back to a place where we are not giving lip service to interconnection, interdependence, and so on, with all things. It's, they, they had it in the past. Of course, mm-hmm. we killed them as much as we could, white people. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I think uh, there's an opportunity there. I think that's one of our largest opportunities, actually, uh, is with indigenous wisdom people. It, I agree with you. I think it's it's absolutely essential to the overall healing all over the planet. There's indigenous peoples all over the planet, and if we're given giving them the you know the ability, the opportunity to um, to teach us. Yeah. And for us to, to listen, it, it actually can be really, really pivotal. Yeah. Another uh, person that I really respect, and someone else I haven't met, like Vandana Shiva, is Joanna Macy. She is so wise and still with us here in, the, in her early 90s. Um, and uh, what did she say? This is a political economy. Uh, and the operative word is growth, a political economy that sets its goals and measures its success in growth. Growth in what? Wisdom, health, longevity, creativity, 
one thing only, alas, only one thing, and that's the Industrial Growth Society cares about its profits, rubbing her thumb and first two fingers together in the sign of cash. How do we her, even... She nails it. She yeah. nails it. Yeah. 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 And How so, we... yeah, there, there are definitely, in, in this conversation, there are people that are, you know, seriously talking about how we need to change the, you know, the economic system. Like if we really are, like it needs a major overhaul in order for us to get to the bottom of this. Here's a piece of news that's more bright light rather than the couple of things I've been <laughs> mentioning, yeah. which were a little dark. Not dark, but real. Uh, this was something I saw in 60 Minutes, which was uh, somebody who was involved with Energy Company. Mm-hmm. And he he saw an opportunity in a fishing village in a cove in England, mm-hmm. where he was able to set out a wind farm. I mean, huge, all the way into the ocean. And these people, because they were cut off, obviously fishing is less of that going on, and they were cut off from the livelihood. And he was able to get this thing going where they had jobs, you know, several hundred people in this little village. So there's somebody who took it upon himself, and, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's a profit-making uh, endeavor. He didn't, it didn't look like, you know, it was something he was doing, you know, as a philanthropist. That's a good example of, you know, wise uh, efforts to make this kind of a change, no? Yeah. So I'm really glad that you shifted the conversation towards <laughs> this because there actually are many examples in Future We Can Love about that that are inspiring. For example, in Cambodia, they had the lumber poachers become forest guards of the forest and, you know, helping these, these, these people to have earn, earn livelihoods that are doing the right thing to protect the forests and all the animals in the forest. Um, so they became from poachers to guards. Um, there are now, you know, there are companies that are making products that are, you know, using innovations. So until there's an overhaul of our economic system, what can we do within the capitalistic societies that we, mm. you know, that we, we live in? So there's this, this new sneak, there are these sneakers that are being made from, hmm. um, they're, they're being made from decomposable plants and minerals. Hmm. Really? And the person who started the company, yes, it's unless, unless collective. And it was started by somebody who is a Adidas, um, well, executive. Well. Yeah. And there's many examples like that that are um, good for the environment, that are still going, that are products that are useful. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the same time, you know, more and more of us are using, reusing. There's these reuse shops. There's community sharing. So not every house in the neighborhood has to have a lawnmower and, you know, all the the equipments that you need, but if we're we're sharing more, then mm. we don't have to buy as much, right? 
And there's, um, I don't know, I, mean, I expect you see it in your community in California, but there's refilleries. So to instead of buying new plastics every time, you can go and fill up your Dr. Bronner's bottle um, <laughs> so you don't have to get a new, a new one new every bottle. time. Yeah. So there are, there are more and more. And so there's a, there are countless examples. Um, the city of Tucson, the mayor made a commitment to plant a million trees. Mm. Um, I didn't know that. Well, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the, this is a story that goes back a long time ago, but it, it's, it's one that's so inspiring for me. And it's this, um, this leader, this woman, Wangari Matai, who is in mm. Kenya. She actually had gotten the Nobel Prize, but she started out and she lived in a small village in Kenya and um, had this connection with the tree. Her mother said the tree of God sat by the um, sat by the stream and they were in right relationship with each other because, you know, when the rains came, the tree held the, the waters, which then went into the soil, which fed the stream. And it became her sacred place when she was a little girl. Mm. And then what happened? She went off to university. She came back. The tree was gone. It was cut down. The oh. water, there was no more stream. Oh, and all the, the frogs that she used to play with and the frogs' eggs that she saw when she was a child were all gone. Nothing was there. And she pursued her doctoral studies as it related to environmental issues. And in her research, she realized that the women in the communities and the villages actually were very poor and didn't, weren't able to cook because there was no longer wood because all the trees had been cut down and there wasn't water because the streams were gone. And so what she did is she began this movement to empower women and to also, um, you know, help the, the planet and the communities. And with the few women they started and then it grew and grew to thousands and tens of, tens of thousands of women. And then, um, the green, it's called the green belt movement. It was created and they've planted over 50 million trees. And, um, these women had right livelihood and, um, and Wangari, actually, the second dictator of um, of Kenya, uh, basically tortured them. And then eventually, through wise action, they basically overturned the, the government. And she ended up going to parliament with 98% of the vote. She got the no Nobel Prize. And um, the impact of this one one woman who woke up, who basically saw the connection, the interconnectedness of everything and began mm. to, you know, take action. So her story is, is super, wow. you know, inspiring. Um, and there's, amazing. you know, there, there are a lot of, you know, young people today that are, that are doing really extraordinary things. Yeah. Wow. So I think, yeah. Yeah. Plus. That's very good. <laughs> nice positivity to move away from the, yeah. uh, the negativity. So uh, we're we're close to the end here, but uh, there's one thing I know, and you said in the book, I never expected to be a meditation teacher or lead meditations or anything, but you got one from the 17th Karmapa. Is that not true? 
actually, it was Dekila Chongyapa provided. Dekila Chongyapa yeah. um, actually is a student of the Karmapa. Oh, I see. And Dekila actually runs an organization. It's, just, it's called the LOCA Initiative at the University of Wisconsin. And it is bringing faith, different faith groups together. Mm. Um, essentially really, really brilliant because, uh, you know, the faith communities actually have a lot of influence in their communities. So mm. if, so working, um, with faith communities to create climate awareness and, and look at what they can do as communities, mm. you know, the, the ripples can, um, can go far and wide. So Dekila actually, he, um, he included that. To that Include yeah. no, she actually wrote that meditation. Oh, she did. A, oh. Yeah, she was. I invited her to do that to include that contribution, mm. and it's basically a, a meditation for, um, you know, for for eco anxiety and how yeah. we can. Um, I think that that's how I started this whole conversation about my own eco anxiety. And I do know, by the way, that the seventeenth Karmapa is very involved with. Uh, with ecology and with uh, yeah. working to help that and, and also uh, rights of uh, women in monastery situations. Yeah. Um, but can you do a short thing at least to lead us into uh, some way to assuage that anxiety by doing a particular meditation? How long we are we looking at just like Two minutes? Yeah, several minutes. minutes. Yeah, two, three, four minutes. Yeah. People, yeah, just their attention. Yeah. Our attention span is limited, but we'll keep it. We'll keep it brief. But I do think that um, having conversations like this can be activating. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so I think just um, taking a few minutes together, just to ground and to just settle. And so, you know, taking a few minutes now to feel your feet on the floor or the ground. Perhaps imagining roots growing from the soles of your feet all the way down into the soil. Connecting with the moisture, the insects, the mycelium. And bringing awareness to the top of your head. And having your spine be long. And bringing awareness to the breath, the breathing. Allowing a fullness as you inhale. Awareness of the oxygen entering your body. Filling your lungs and your belly. And just letting go. You exhale. 
Exhaling carbon dioxide. And bringing an awareness of how we are interbeing with trees and plants. Breathing in oxygen that comes from the green leaves. Breathing out your exhale is then nourishing vegetation, the trees. Noticing what's alive in you right now. Your heart. Perhaps breathing in heaviness and darkness, sorrow. In your heart, transforming with love, compassion, breathing out light. Perhaps bringing to mind an awareness of being one gem in this interconnected, infinite web of life. And love. all over the planet. All people, animals, birds, fishes, whales, insects, And 
remembering we are not alone. May every being be safe and protected from harm. May we be happy and have peace of mind. May we be free from pain. And healthy and strong. And may we live with ease. May we be at ease. moment by moment, breath by breath, right here, right now. Thank you. Wonderful, Susan, wonderful. I have to add one thing from His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, who recited uh, these lines from the 8th century Buddhist teacher, Shanti Dev. Whatever suffering there is in the world, it all stems from self-centeredness. Whatever happiness there is in the world, it all stems from wishing happiness for others. What more needs to be said? Just look at the difference between the two. The childish who seek their own well-being and the Buddha who seeks others' other well-being others' well-being. Therefore, if one does not switch this outlook of self-centeredness to other-centeredness, let alone the attainment of Buddhahood, even in this life, there will be no real joy. Eighth century. Shanti Deva. so much. Oh, God. Thank you so much for being with us today, Susan. Yeah, thank you, Raghu. Really appreciate um, it. Yeah, thank you. You know, we're we're in it together. I I you know hear the heaviness, and you know I want to you know share a, a, some words that um, Paul Hawkins shared mm. that stick with me because it's like to me both are true. So if we look at the science, and we're not pessimistic, you don't have the correct data, and if you meet people. In this climate movement, the amazing people all over the world in this climate movement, and you're not optimistic, you don't have a heart. Both both are true. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's so great. And everybody, of course, in the show notes for this podcast, there'll be links to you can uh, get uh, the new book, A Future We Can Love. 
Well, it's, yeah, it's fairly new. And yeah. uh, and also, you know, just see Mind Life and the work Susan is doing there. We'll have links to that as well. And uh, we'll have to do this again because there's yeah. plenty more here that's uh, just wonderful information. Yeah. So thanks again for being here. This is Mind Rolling on Be Here Now Network. Go to BeHereNowNetwork.com and all of Susan and my friends are there. <laughs> Uh, with wonderful podcasts so we'll see you next week bye bye thank you